0: I'm Ed Glaze, one of the pastors here. Great to see you all here this morning. Uh, Not many people in the state of North Carolina, if you're a sports fan, are smiling today. I asked NC State folks how they did, said, well, we didn't lose. So that's the one school in the state that didn't, I think. I'm not happy either as an Auburn person. But hey, we're here to give praise to God and give glory to his name. And as we're a part of this generosity initiative, as we're uh, preparing for commitment Sunday next week, Uh, We want to hear from uh, one of our faithful members. She's smiling back there so brightly at Sandra Simmons. And welcome back from your sojourns in the United Kingdom. Uh, She came all the way back just to film this for us. So uh, get ready to hear another Academy Award winning uh, performance by one of your church members. Sandra, video's coming up now.
1: My name is Sandra Simmons and my husband Dwight and I have been a part of this church for 18 years. And it was actually our son Brent who brought us to this church. My most recent involvement here at the church has been through our confirmation program and through our finance team. I choose to be involved in the confirmation program because it connects me to the young people in our church. Coming out of finance recently, I was able to learn a little bit more about our existing mortgage first established back in the year 2000 when this building was occupied. And two years ago, we refinanced that mortgage due in part to the situation we were facing with COVID. Going into COVID, we were facing a $9,300 per month mortgage with no people sitting in the pews on Sunday. Well, at that time, we had two wonderful bankers on the finance team, Jason Triplett and Mary Louise Roberts. And they reached out to the other good bankers in this good town, and they were able to secure for us a new mortgage that saved us $4,000 a month or roughly $50,000 a year. Now that really helped that situation, but it did not address the ever-growing maintenance needs of this facility every meeting of finance it seemed like we were discussing some new and urgent need and i'm not talking about simple things i'm talking about major issues that would become safety issues if they were not not addressed pretty soon so we decided we were either going to have to borrow more money from the bank to do these things or we were going to have to find another source of income so it's at that time we went to church council and ask them to prayerfully consider starting a capital campaign that would, once and for all, pay off that mortgage and also help establish a major reserve fund that could be used for some of those maintenance needs down the road because they will continue to happen. In our Sunday School class recently, we discussed the topic of a sacred space and we ask ourselves the question, do you have a sacred space? This is where we gather for worship. This is where we baptize our babies, our confirmands, our young adults, our adults. This is where we establish lifelong friendships that are never forgotten. This is where we go on a mission trip that changes our lives. This is where we are married. This is where we have funerals for those we love. This is where some of the most important decisions we will ever make are made, right here. And for that reason, we should treat it accordingly as the sacred space it is. We even have ladies working in the background making handmade quilts, which are given to some of the families who receive our wood. And I know that making a quilt is a tedious and time-consuming project. And to make one and to fold it up and just give it away to a complete stranger I just think that says a lot about the character of our church family. But for me, the area that tugs at my heart the most is the after-school program. I used to be a young mother with two young children, and I speak from experience when I tell you that the greatest challenge facing young mothers today is the issue of child care. For us, giving is an act of gratitude. Everything we have or ever will have, comes from God. And just as you would want to do something in return for a friend who has done something for you, we feel it's just natural to want to do something in return to God for what he has done for us. He doesn't have to have our money, but for us, it's just a way of saying thank you. I'm excited about the Because We Care initiative because this is something we are going to do together. It is for everyone And it is not about the amount of money that we give. I, for a fact, know that if you take small numbers and add them together, you come up with a bigger number. And just think, for example, if you have 20 people giving a dollar a week, that's a little over $1,000 a year. Now, that may not sound like much, but you remember that little song we learned when we were little? Little is much when God is in it. Don't ever underestimate what God can do with a little bit of money. That $1,000 might just be the amount we need to reach our goal, or it might be the amount we need to tip over that goal, which, by the way, I think we will do. So when that big celebration happens and we're at the end of this journey, I want to see everyone there celebrating together. To to achieve a goal together, it's going to be fun. You don't want to miss it.
0: I think that Oscar is going to be coming your way soon, Sandra. Thank you for being so articulate in uh, your love of the church and your love of the Lord uh, through this, your great work here in the congregation. You and Dwight both um, are one of the many, many people that help us become all God's calling us to be as we seek to love our community, invite and all to discover life in Jesus Christ. So thank you for that. I thank you for your testimony. And I'm excited. I really am about what God is doing in our midst and is about to do as we show that we care for this church and we care for this community uh, through this initiative. If you have your journals with you, I hope you do. If not, you can raise your hand and we'll send an usher out there uh, to get you one. Um, Just mark your pages uh, real quick on page 25 and 2425. That's the sermon notes for... The week, so you, know, you can be looking at that and and looking at these questions. We'll we'll touch on a few other things as well as we um, look at today's today's scripture lesson. Y'all heard of Bill Gates? Any anybody not heard of Bill? You, you, all right, we got one that's heard of Bill Gates. Okay, well, Ken, come up here and tell us about who Bill Gates is and and why he's uh, so famous and why he's so important. I think we all have heard of Bill Gates, haven't we? I mean, if you uh, own a, a laptop computer, uh, your operating system, more than likely, was developed by Bill Gates, right? He, he developed the, the Microsoft Windows program uh, in the background of all of our computers, or most of them anyway, PCs, and some Apple people out there know. Uh, but uh, he, he developed all that, and he led his company in, into huge amount of growth so that every person in the world almost is affected by what he invented and what he has led uh, with Microsoft. But you all may know as well uh, that about 15 years ago, he with, with his then wife Melinda started the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And the goal of the foundation is to reduce childhood diseases and deaths. It is to provide technology for every student in the United States, and it's also to try to alleviate poverty in the most uh, desperate situations around our world. I mean, this is truly fantastic. It's wonderful. In the past 15 years, they've given away, here, this number of $58 billion to achieve these goals. That is really significant. That is really special. That is really commendable and charitable. But, is Bill Gates being generous? I'll leave you with that question. As we turn to the scripture texts for this morning, as we look at the good news according to Luke, the 21st chapter, just a few short verses, something I imagine that if you've been a student of the Bible, you've heard this story before. Um, those that grew up with the King James Version of the Bible, you know it by the story of the widow's mite. He, being Jesus, looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all that she had to live on. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, Jesus is there in the last week uh, of his life before he met with the crucifixion, and then we know the resurrection. And he is there in the temple with his disciples, watching folks put offering into the offering container that is there uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. Now, we know from history that these offering containers weren't little boxes. You know, sometimes you go into church, they'll have a a box that you can put money in for the poor or some other type of offering. What we know through history is that these were big flouted metal tubes. And the, open, the big opening at the end, if any of you all have ever seen a tuba or played a tuba, it looked like that. This is a big bell-shaped metal circle with a hole in the middle. And when you put in a lot of heavy change or heavy coins, it made a loud noise. And so, when, as Jesus is saying, these rich folks came and were putting in their offering, guess what? It made a lot of noise. Bing, 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 bing. I mean, oh, you heard those heavy coins going into that. And they were mighty proud of that. You know, listen to my offering that I'm giving. I don't think any of the Methodists have ever been to a, a casino, but I hear tell. I, I, I hear tell, maybe some of the folks online watching may have been, and thank you for tuning in, by the way, but I imagine that you have heard anyway about when a slot machine kicks in and, and all that change comes out. I know none of y'all have seen that in person, but I, I imagine you at least have seen it on television. You can hear all that change coming out uh, of the slot. Yeah, any, any any of y'all heard of that? Yeah, yeah? Yeah. I know it's a long night for a lot of folks who have been watching football, but yeah, y'all have heard that. Well, that's what the sound was like. I mean, all this change coming out. And, and that's what uh, th- these rich folks are doing. They, you know, they got their big bags and dumped it into that big tuba-looking thing. And lots of noise. And people heard it. And they, and they say, oh, look at that guy. He, he, he just hit the jackpot, so to speak. I mean, he just poured all that money in, in, into that tuba, uh, into that flatted thing. And they say, man, look what I've done. But Jesus looking at all this, sees this poor widow, and she reaches into her bag or satchel or whatever she had and pulls out the smallest coin that was minted during that day. It's called a lipta. And if you go to the Holy Land, or when you go to the Holy Land, obviously when things settle down over there, of course keep that situation in your prayers, uh, you can see, Replicas of it. It's a, just a tiny, tiny little coin. Some fact, some people when they come back from the Holy Land have what's called a widow's mite necklace. You might, might know people have that. You think that made any noise going down that big funnel? No. Nah. No one noticed except Jesus. No one noticed except Jesus. And Jesus says that this woman has given more than all those rich folks that have put in all those large coins that made all that noise. Why is that? Because she didn't have anything left. She was being generous, you see, the way God sees generosity. For God is not impressed so much by the amount, though the amount lots of times matters. What impresses God is what is left over. What's the sacrifice? What is someone giving up so that indeed the kingdom is advanced? The, the rich folks, he said, uh, they're tipping God. They're not sacrificing anything. They're, they're taking stuff that they have in excess and giving it to the, to the temple giving it to the needs of, of the community. This lady gave everything. Now let me ask you, in that way of looking at what generosity is. Again, Bill Gates, what he's doing is charitable and commendable, but is it generous? Doing a little research, and again, it's was on the internet, so you know you've got to trust it, right? <laughs> but, but the research that I have done says that Bill Gates' net worth today is $110 billion dollars. Can any of you in this room or the sound of my voice live on that right now? Do you think you could make it on that? you think so? Yeah, I think I might be able to get by. Again, I'm not criticizing Bill Gates at all for this foundation. I mean, he didn't have to do this. I mean, they're saving lives. We celebrate that. But in the biblical way of looking at generosity, what does it really cost him? Compare that. To another billionaire that I I talked about in Crossroads last week. You might have seen Charles Feeney's obituary in some publication. Charles Feeney was a billionaire, was a billionaire. But after making literally billions and billions and billions of dollars in the duty-free business around the world, he began to look at himself and look at his Irish Catholic upbringing where his parents had immigrated from Ireland and he grew up in a... you know, relatively modest situation there in New Jersey. And after he made all these billions of dollars, he asked himself, how much does one actually need? So he gave up the black tie dinners. He gave up uh, the yachts and the big homes. He, he gave up uh, all the expensive automobiles. And he did all this so he could give it away. He began to fly coach. He got his clothes off the rack rather than having them tailor made. He did this, gave away all these billions of dollars, and altered his lifestyle significantly so that he could use what God had entrusted to him to bless the lives of other people now, because he was of Irish descent and it had uh, grandparents that had come from our parents that had come from Ireland, uh, he got involved in the peace talks there between. Uh, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and he he was recognized for that fact. But when he died, he left enough for his five children to be comfortable, but he was living in a rented apartment in San Francisco, taking public transportation to get around. Yeah, he he probably had enough... That most of us would think is comfortable, more than comfortable. But do you hear what he did? He changed his lifestyle so that he could be truly generous. That's what we're talking about today with this widow. She gave up everything so that she could be generous to the things of God. That's what generosity is. It's sacrificial giving, sacrificial offering of ourselves. It's not tipping. It is giving so that we have had to change something in our lives in order for the kingdom to be brought to earth. Well, wow. that's the definition of generosity as Jesus sees it we also see uh, with this lady that uh, she had what was, as my uh, lady scholars in my house say, she had agency. When I was talking to my wife about this, she said, you know, back in that day and time, women really didn't have the opportunity to have any control over any resources or any money. Their husbands decided all these things, or the relatives did, or lots of women were held in slavery. Very few women had the opportunity to decide what they were going to do with the resources that was uh, in their possession. Very few women had that opportunity. She had the gift, as they said in their fancy terms, of agency, otherwise known as choice. Choice. She had a choice in the matter to decide what she was going to do with what little she had. And yes, we all have choices, don't we? You know, we in our tradition are Armenian in our theology. Now that's a fancy term to say that God gives us human freedom to decide on things. And I like that. We see that from the very beginning, in the very first chapters of the Bible. Adam and Eve had a choice about how to follow after God. So do all we. We have a choice to decide what we're going to do with the gifts of what we have, of who we are, of our time, our talent, and yes, our resources. We have choices in this, how we live this life. This woman has shown us that it doesn't matter how much, she had a choice in her giving. Choice to what to do with what had been entrusted to her. So it all of we, no matter how much or how little we have. When I think about uh, people giving sacrificially and having a choice about it, I'm reminded of a fellow named David in one of the churches I served. He worked in a factory in a nearby town, and when that factory closed, well, he was without a job. And I know it, it. put a hurt on him he, he was struggling well one Sunday in that church I served unlike this church I would go up to get the offering plates at the altar and I saw that there there's a five dollar bill on the offering plate at the top and I said well those counters last week they missed us five bucks you know we, <laughs> we sure we might have needed that and so I didn't think anything of it we took up the offering well next week same thing happened and then week after that, a week after that, I said, I wonder what this is about. So I happened to be in the sanctuary early getting ready for something, and a week or two later, and I saw David come in, and thinking no one was in there, he slipped in and put that $5 bill on the top of the offering plate, and I said, oh, hey, David, and I kind of startled him, and I said, hey, and I said I've said, i noticed this, what, what's, what's going on? And he said, well, yeah, you know, um, things are kind of tight for me right now, I mean, I... I've lost my job, I'm, still, I'm struggling, but even though I'm struggling, even though I don't have a whole lot, even though times are hard, I'm having, uh, you know, difficulty paying my bills, I want to show that I love God and I love this church, and I, I'm going to give no matter what. And I commended him on this. that's that's really... Touching, I, I, you know, I, I really congratulate you on doing that because you don't have to do that right now. I said, no, I don't congratulate me. I'm blessed. This is from an unemployed man. I'm blessed. I'm thankful. I love God. I love this church. I want to do what I can. And then he went on to say, I have missed a meal or two each and every week to make sure in my grocery budget that I have set aside a little bit so I can give. David chose to sacrifice as hard as it was in the situation which he found himself, just like that woman did. You hear what David said? I love God. I love this church. And you've heard me say before, you sacrifice for that which you love. And as you heard David say, and as we know, uh, if we love something, it, you know, we're willing to sacrifice. In fact, it may not even feel like a sacrifice because we we love that individual. We love that person. We love that organization. Jesus says to us in, in Matthew's gospel, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So wherever your heart is going to be, you know, you, it, lots of times it's not going to feel So much like a sacrifice because you're seeing what benefit it's bringing to somebody else and what joy it brings to them and and to you. We read in the book of Genesis, when Jacob was tricked into having to marry Leah, Laban said to him, you know, you're going to have to work another seven years to marry Rachel. And I love what the text says. Yeah, he worked for seven years, but it only seemed like a few days because he was so in love. This Rachel, it only seemed like a few days because you see, he was willing to sacrifice for the one he loved. We read about in First Chronicles when they were getting all the material wealth together to build the temple. This is David leading the charge on that, and David, because he loved God and he loved what was about to happen, he loved that he wanted to get his son Solomon off to a great start in building this temple. David joyfully gave 110 tons of gold, 260 tons of silver. And he makes a comment in another part of the Scripture. How can I make an offering to God that costs me nothing? But he joyfully did it. He sang before the Lord. He gave praise to God soon after that because, well, he was in love with God. He was in love with God that his son Solomon was about to become king. I have not grown up as someone who liked soccer. No, I never did. And and when I was growing up, uh, when the coach didn't think anything else to do, he'd throw the ball out there and said, now y'all don't kill each other out there on the field. And so the game became trying to kick the ball as hard as you could to hit somebody. I mean, that's what soccer was to me growing up. But I've learned to become a soccer fan. Why is that? Well, our daughter, Anna Grace, was the antithesis of a sports fan. I mean, she went to a great university and even saw some wonderful football games. But she could care less about the games. I mean, she would go just to be around her friends. But she, you know, you'd ask her the score of something. she oh, I don't know. But she has gotten into soccer. And so her dad has two. Her dad has too. I have begun to follow Premier League soccer. I've gotten up early when she's been uh, home with us to watch games. I actually got up yet early yesterday to watch a soccer match of teams that we're following. So I've down, downloaded on my phone. I've got the Everton app, the Liverpool app, the Tottenham app, the Arsenal app. Those are Premier League teams I am following. I've even spent some money on soccer. Can you imagine that? we got a great Football club here in Boone called App FC, the Sasquatches. Yes, go protect these woods. I've bought season tickets so that we could go watch those matches. They're not that expensive. For her birthday, Premier League teams are playing in Atlanta. So we went to Atlanta to watch Premier League soccer. And I might be a little bleary-eyed this morning because, well, for my birthday, Anna Grace got us tickets to go watch Lionel Messi play. In Charlotte. Don't ask me about the traffic. I won't get into that right now. It tested my religion. Does this seem like a sacrifice? No. I did this because I got into soccer because I spent some money getting her a jersey and going to games for love. When we love something... And somebody, it really doesn't seem like a sacrifice, does it? Because well, that's what love does. Our hearts are there, and because our hearts are there, well, our treasure will be also. That's what Jesus says. So this woman said, "I love God. I, I, I I'm going to give my resources, even sacrificially, because I, I, this." is a place where I discover God, like Sandra said. This is a place where I'm overwhelmed with the grandeur of God. I was glad, the psalmist says, when we went to the house of the Lord. This woman was glad to be there, I think. doesn't say in the text, but I imagine she was just so excited about being there in that place. And so I don't think that she was, you know, Putting her coins in, said, "All right, God, I'm putting my all my in here. Now, where's the bank truck?" I I think she was saying to herself, "I am in love with God, and I'm gonna put what I have here as by a choice that I have, and I know somehow, some way, as I do this, I'm just trusting in God that there's somehow, some way, some blessings are gonna come." She may have recalled a story from her Bible. That's our Old Testament. That's found in our book of Kings. And she might remember, she might have been remembering the story of Elijah being out in the wilderness and uh, he was there by the brook of Jabbok and, and it was during that time of drought that, it, that the Lord had put upon the nation. And the creek dried up and the Lord said, go to the woman, in Z- a widow in Zarephath. Which had a shock Elijah because that's a foreign city. And there you will Find what you need. So he goes there, Elijah does, and encounters this woman, this widow, who is getting some water. And Elijah said, hey, can I have some water? She said, sure. And then he said, how about some bread? She said, well, let me tell you, because of this drought, we don't have anything. In fact, I'm about to make my last loaf of bread for me and my boy, and then we're going to die. And Elijah said, trust. Make some bread for me. And you're going to see that your bread container is not going to run out. Your oil container is always going to be full as long as drought is around. Just trust in what the Lord will do. And so she did. During Elijah's time of staying with the widow at Zarephath, this little boy of this widow dies. But Elijah goes. Lays his body on top of the boy and prays for this boy. And the boy comes back to life. Now, imagine, imagine you will, if you will, if this widow hadn't taken this step of faith, hadn't trusted that, uh, to follow after what the Lord was asking her to do, what, what, what might have happened? She probably wouldn't be around. Her son definitely wouldn't be around. When... The Lord is asking you to do something that is sacrificial. And you're giving the way you live. Do it. Because you do not know what blessings would be in store for you if you don't do it. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to do some miracle. I I can't promise that. there's, There's no way to know that would happen, but I do know that as we march with faith forward into what God is leading us to do and calling us to do, well, our hearts are more open to who God is and what God is about, for generosity opens up our hearts to God. Now, please hear me say this. If you're asleep right now, wake up. Please hear me say this. I'm not saying like, I've heard some televangelists say, I've heard them on on television. I actually heard one in person say this. Now, if y'all give 10, God's going to give you 100. If you give 100, God's going to give you 1,000. And you can do the rest of the math. I'm not saying that at all. We're not the prosperity gospel types here. And I'm also not saying that, uh, that we're called to give away everything like This widow seemed to be doing. Or like uh, the rich young ruler that Jesus approached, that he said, sell all. No, I'm not saying that at all, but I am saying that all are called to be generous. We're all called to sacrifice and give up something for Christ. For generosity expands our hearts. Generosity opens us up more to the who God is, and as we are more generous and and more able to trust in God, we we experience His grace more. Like that old song, Oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I love you. You know that song? How I trust you. Oh, for grace to trust you more. For in the end, the widow... Has rightly shared with us and shows us that all that we really have that lasts is our relationship with God. That's the only thing that matters in the end, isn't it? That we have a relationship with God, and the more we are generous, the more we open up our heart to God, and the more we experience who God is. For friends. That's the only thing we're gonna keep in the end. And our generosity opens us up more to who God is. I give you a quote that has meant a lot to me over over time. If you've heard maybe of the missionary or the missionary Jim Elliott, who went to Ecuador back in the 50s to minister to and evangelize native peoples in the jungles of that country. And when encountering People asked him about the dangers and, he, and what uh, this might cost him. He said this, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up that which he cannot keep. I've been around long enough, and most of you all have been too, that there is nothing that you're going to hold on to. Nothing. Nothing. Accept what you have in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You're no fool to make sacrifices of things that you cannot keep, to gain that which you cannot lose. Wow, that's pretty powerful. You have to wonder why Jesus pointed this out. You know, don't you know? I mean, this is a hot little story, you think about it, but remember, as I said at the beginning, this, Jesus is there. In the last week of his life, he he's about to face crucifixion and death in just a few days. And he the only one spotting this widow who gives up everything, well, in some ways he is reflecting upon who he is. I mean, he was about to give up everything. Lay down his life. Lay down his existence, to give up everything for His love of you and me. And I have to imagine, as it says in the book of Hebrews, that He endured the shame because He knew, He trusted, at the end, there's going to be joy, you know. As Jesus approached the cross, we know he did so with dread. But on the other side, as now in the eternal kingdom, sitting with people that you know and love that have gone on before, he said, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it. So my friends, as we are sacrificially generous, As we are a part of this Because We Care campaign and it might cost us, it is going to cost us. At the end of the day, as we see people coming to Christ because of what we're doing out on the trails, people are coming to a beautiful place that we, we may not be able to get them in the doors of the church, but we can get them out there and then maybe get them here as we see children playing in the after-school ministry, as we see this facility more welcoming because we have done the things we need to do to fix it up, as we free up resources through paying down our indebtedness, we're going to celebrate because new ministries are going to happen to bless the lives of the people around us. And that's going to happen as we become more like Jesus, as we give up things be generous for the one who loves us infinitely and whom we are called to love more and more each and every day I want to close by sharing a little bit about uh, the sacrificial nature again look in the journal there's going to be some little ways that you can give sacrificially think about sacrifices as Sandra said in the video I mean uh, there on page 13 you know you can give up cups of coffee or a large pizza or downsize uh, what uh, TV cable company you're using. I mean, all that stuff adds up. Yes, those are small sacrifices everybody can make. And some of us are called to make even more. This past Thursday night, uh, the core leaders of this church are called together, the council is called together to have an advanced commitment service. And I I was so moved by the testimonies given by several of the leaders in your congregation. Some, Some shared that they have been a part of this church and their family for generations. Grandparents and parents have brought them to this point and the sacrifices that they, they made have brought them here and brought this church to this place so we can minister more than we could have if we had stayed on King Street. I heard some say that this church is their family. That they can call at 2 o'clock in the morning knowing that someone in this place cares for them. I heard People say how we are building on the legacy of those who have gone before us, who gave up things for us here now, and we're being asked to do the same for those who follow after us. I was moved by those testimonies. And I was even more moved when they were asked to come forward to to share their commitments because leaders lead the way. We had 30 families that have already shared uh, their commitment to God and to the work of God in and through this church. And as you saw at, on the video earlier, there's a top number that says what they're currently giving. And then on average, on average of these 30 families that I committed, on average there's an increase from that first line to the second line of 78%. 78% increase by those people who are your leaders, who are the core of this church, 100% of the council members are saying they're going to commit or have committed. They've increased by average of 78%. Y'all, let's give God some praise. I mean, that is a great start. One third of those families have more than doubled that number. They're saying they're increasing their giving for these two years by more than 100%. Wow. Why are they doing this? Because they love God. They love this church. And they are leading the way and helping each and every one of us to show that we care, to show that we love God and we love this congregation. And and so as you are prayerfully uh, considering this week, with you and your family, and those who are tuning in online who are part of Boone United Methodist, you're being called to ask, all right God, what are you asking me to commit to? What are you asking me uh, to sacrifice? What, What in our lifestyle can we change so that we can be more generous, so that we can be more like Jesus? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. O Lord, that widow so long ago, who your Son, our Savior Jesus, noticed putting in two small coins into that big container, she was noticed by him because, well, she is acting a lot like he did, giving up everything so that your name would be glorified. And we know, of course, Jesus set the ultimate example of sacrifice. He has surrendered his place there in your heavenly kingdom. He came down to earth, to endure the mire and muck of our humanity. And then, of course, endured the shame of the cross so that he might bring us all to the fullness of your joy in your eternal kingdom. May we, Lord, uh, learn to Be more like Jesus and through our generosity, open up our hearts and minds more to him so that others will know about Jesus through us. All this we ask in his precious name,
1: amen.